You're listening to The Counseling Clinic with Aisha Jean and Lisa Michelle, the show for up-and-coming mental health professionals, advocates, and anyone else who wants to learn more about the mental health field from two not-so-professional professionals. Hello, folks. Hey. So we are back today with the second part of our Not-So-Great Therapy series. Thank you, returning listeners. If you're new here, welcome. Um, Don't forget to listen to part one. Um, So this episode, we would like to look at the professional perspective of what not-so-great therapy might look like. So we have Brandon Henry joining us again. He was here with us last season for our specialties series, and this was kind of his brainchild, this this series. <laughs> so, of course, we wanted to have him back and uh, get his perspective on not-so-great therapy. So, Brandon, thank you for joining us. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So, um, to get started, what is the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about not-so-great therapy? Oh, um, I think the... Probably the most obvious thing would be a, just a lack of boundaries. Mm-hmm. I've met a lot of a lot of counselors, yeah, with a lot of just poor boundaries, which at first I think uh, tends to actually uh, make the connection with clients easier in some ways. Mm-hmm. It makes them more personable, right? Um, and it, so the yeah, kind of the the toxin of it then show up for you know months or maybe even years later. So yeah, right. just lack of boundaries. Yeah. Do, do you find that that shows up in kind of a specific way? So, for example, like um, when when me and Michelle work together in a different capacity, because we're still working together. Um, but when we work together, uh, there were a lot of people who would, um, they really liked to, I don't want to say liked, but they they would often buy things for clients or pay yeah. for things that they shouldn't pay for. <laughs> um, yeah. One of the things yep. that that I see regularly is investigating clients' social media and things yeah. like that. Yep. Um, yeah. I see that a lot. What what do you yeah. tend to see? No, I think I think that nails it. I think it's either I'm um, I'm trying to take too much uh, from the client, or I'm trying mm-hmm. to take too much mm-hmm. care of the client, or I'm taking. Mm-hmm something from the client. So I think it goes, I think it can go both ways. Like mm-hmm. boundaries keeping me, um, yeah, to where I'm, I'm giving too much. I've known, yeah, uh, clients to buy, you know, or counselors to buy their clients gas, stuff like that, which is a kind mm-hmm. gesture, right, but, right. uh, yeah. What's that for? What's that about? You know, why am right. I crossing that threshold? So mm-hmm. I think that, yeah, that shows up a lot. I think what's crazy, um, and, and disturbing is that, since I've been in this profession for the last decade, the amount of particularly guys, uh, male therapists, I know that have six sexually inappropriate contact with clients, almost to the point that it's like a Don't work hazard. It's just feel like such a man thing. <laughs> it's, it, it is. I mean, I think it is. I think, and I think part of that is like, and I, this is what I tell my students all the time, especially the guys is like, and I don't know if it's cultural or neurological what it is, but it's when men feel emotionally connected, uh, they feel sexual. Like, and that's yeah. just mm-hmm. part of it. But yeah. um, I've known a lot, uh, even right now, there's a guy in town that sexual inappropriate stuff with a client. And um, there's usually a lack of consequences, which is, it's mind boggling how often that happens. 
That is interesting to me. I don't yeah. know if any of us can answer this, but yeah. I wonder how much that has to do with the lack of males in the profession, like them not seeing as severe consequences, you know? Mm-hmm. So, That's interesting. Yeah. yeah, maybe the case. Yeah, it's, and that what was weird is in my class uh, when I was in RTS, it was about half male, half female. So that oh wow, kind of when I got in the great. field and realized it's not, yeah, that males are, uh, especially healthy males are a dozen, <laughs> uh, kind of or I mean, very infrequent. Um, yeah, it's kind of surprising. That is one of those things. The point of the um, sexually inappropriate behavior and mm-hmm. stuff is the thing that I remember being in school and hearing. That's a thing. It's out there. It's going to happen. Here's ways to help guard yourself. And I thought, no, no one's doing that. Yeah. No, Fair that's enough. not. But it is. And it's oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, one of the gifts that I had, yeah, first, so the first place I worked after, uh, after I graduated was a clinic here in in town in Flowood called the Shepherd Staff, and they'd been around for 35 years, and so during the interview, I just asked them, um, because I had recently heard a bunch of these stories and actually known some, some men that uh, had sexual inappropriate stuff with clients, so I asked them, like, how will y'all handle that, like, if, Mm, you know, if I feel sexually attracted to a client, like, how are y'all gonna, kind of how do y'all deal with that? And they were, they were incredibly on point um, and just saying like, Hey, if you come to us and talk to us, we'll help you process it. We'll help you boundary. We'll help you figure it out. But if you cross this line, like it is a zero tolerance policy, um, which, which was so good for me. Uh, That was very safe and have consequences, but also to have, you know, people to walk me through and help me. Right. Like a team, a support system. Mm -hmm. That's great. Which I think is also lacking in the field, and that may be a part of why um, why there is so much of this stuff. Yeah, and then also, I think that from professionals, sometimes there's kind of a resistance, maybe not all the way embarrassment, but like a resistance of, I don't know how to handle that, you know, and, and I should yep. because I'm the professional, yep. you know, mm-hmm. yep. so kind of yep. like um, when you know you need a therapist, but it's like, no, I got totally. time. I'm gonna try some other stuff. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And I think that's another thing that I think about of the sign of an unhealthy therapist is the air. Yes. Yeah. Um, there counselors mm-hmm. who say I can work with anything. Mm-hmm. I don't trust that person. I know there are clearly things I can work right. with. And what's uh, kind of what's been wild lately is the amount of folks that say like, oh yeah, I can, you know, work with eating disorders, which is extraordinarily complex. Absolutely. And then to ask like, okay, so, so what's your training on that? It's like, well, I read a book. And it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> right. right. No, no, that does not cover it. Um, you good for you, but you're good. Of, right. I know. Right. Yeah. I, I feel like that about addictions and substance abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Like you just need more training, you know, and it's one totally. of those things that's so common that you just feel like yeah. you should be able to do it, yeah. but yeah. there's training required. Yeah, no doubt. And I, yeah, I see that a lot. It was, but particularly with addiction is a lot of folks, myself included, like I've been in recovery for a while. I actually got in recovery after um, getting licensed. So I mean, it was kind of, I did it backwards in oh, some wow. ways, but. Um, yeah, the amount of folks that get into counseling because I had this, you know, I had this experience and this is what worked for me. Mm-hmm. So I'll just tell everybody what I did and right. that'll work for them. <laughs> it's right. like, no, 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 that, that's not helpful. Um, yeah, not helpful at all. Right. I was actually just thinking this morning and I don't know what I, I think fast. So I don't know what <laughs> led me to this talk, <laughs> but I was thinking about, um, like you mentioned, feeling like you can work with 
everything, uh, every person. And I guess I wonder if that's something that comes with maturity, because thinking about like, um, you know, they ask you that in grad school, right? And if you get to grad school right out of, um, right out of undergrad, then you you just may not know, you know, or you may think more like personality than you do the types of illnesses right but then as you see more things I get more experience or have uh you know just grow in general and um, feel stronger about your own values and virtues then you start to recognize some of the things that that might be difficult for you you know yeah totally yeah totally I think and I you know I feel fortunate that I I went to grad school uh, I think when I turned 30 or right around there. And I'd kind of already had my ass handed to me a little bit. And so it kind of set me up to to have a little humility, not a lot. It took some other things to, you know, getting in recovery definitely helped. But um, yeah, I think that's, I think it's essential. You would, and you would think it would just kind of come with the territory of being humble, but it's just not, not, I was going to say not always the case, but I would say it's frequently not the case. Yeah, um, I, I would, I would agree, agree with that. Yeah. I would have to agree. Yeah. And I think I I wonder again if that's one of those things that kind of depends on training. Because mm-hmm. if you think about like training programs and different graduate programs, yep. depending on how that program is run, it can create a, a culture of competition, which I mean, yeah. the, the world is competitive. So that's that yeah. itself is not the issue, but it becomes an issue when you feel like it's the program itself is not being run correctly and or you are um you have reservations about your cohorts uh, uh you know your peers and you think well I'm doing better than them at this or this person doesn't know this and I'm I you know I have this right so I think that can increase some of the <laughs> lack of humility mm-hmm. you know yeah oh yeah no doubt about it no doubt about it um one of the best I guess tips that I've heard in a sense with this, and it was from a, a mentor who had, you know, struggled and fallen and all this kind of stuff, but was, was he, you know, went through healing and went through all the, all the things you needed to do. And he would, he would frequently say like, um, in a sense, you've got to be in a group that you're not leading. And so particularly when we're in roles of leadership and I know not, you know, everybody that's practicing counseling is kind of in a different spot, but to be, if I'm sitting in that chair and I'm, you know, just because the power differentials and all this, I'm sort of in a seat of authority. Um, that can become, you know, that's pretty dangerous elixir uh, to drink and to start to think I know it all and I've got it all figured out. And so what's been right. so good for yeah. me and others, is, yeah, be in a group where you're not in control, where you're not in charge. Um, that can that can do a lot to remedy the, the arrogance that comes with kind of the territory. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that one of the things that has benefited me throughout my life is is seeing that so often you know seeing the uh well well this is how it went uh you know yeah. this yeah. is how it goes yeah. you know yeah. seeing that so regularly I've, I've always believed that no two experiences are exactly the same absolutely um, yeah, totally. and I, I actually had this conversation with my husband and my brother, sister-in-law, and I were all in um, the car together. I think we were going to eat or something like that. And 
I was, we were having whatever conversation I was telling them, just think about like, if something would have happened to us in this car, um, we would all have different perspectives of it because mm-hmm. of the way we're sitting in the car, right? Yeah. Even though we oh, had yeah. the, we experienced the same thing, we didn't experience it the same way, you know? Yep. So I think that was, that's been helpful to me. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I, especially in the uh, recovery world, you know, and I got, I got sober in 12 step world and I love it and it worked for me and I'm, you know, a big fan. And I think it offers a lot um, to everybody in a lot of ways, uh, just the community and the, the safety or yeah. at least good meetings. You know, but part of the danger yeah. in those rooms is this is the way, you know, not to sound too right. much right. like the Mandalorian, but it's like, this is the way and this is how you got to do it. And um, if you're not doing it our way, then you're not going to get sober. And it's like, that's just not true. I know a lot right. of people mm-hmm. that got sober doing their own thing and that's great for them. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't knock anything, you know, it's whatever works, man, whatever gets you out of that, the hell you're living in. Right. You know, why not? <laughs> you know, I'll support right. that. So in light of the terms good versus bad, um, yeah. what would you say yeah. makes a bad therapist? Yeah. Um, so some stories just picked up along the way. One um, would be they talk more than they listen. And I've been with those. I've been oh, a client great. of those folks. I once, uh, and this is not an exaggeration, once had to shadow a person. Um, and the sessions were an hour and a half long. And I'd had to do it for a while. And so I just was curious. I'm just going to keep time at how long they talk uh, during this session. And it was, honest to God, an hour and 25 of an mm. hour and 30 minutes. And I was like, this is, this is maddening. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. So that's. I think that's a good sign that you should probably go somewhere else. Because again, I think that goes to the, I think that goes to boundary stuff. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm giving advice, like that means I, advice is dangerous. I think yes, I don't know all the circumstances. Um, right. I think it goes to the arrogance we just talked about. Like mm-hmm. if I have an hour and 25 minutes of words to tell you. Uh, yeah. It's a pretty good mm-hmm. sign that <laughs> I think I'm, you know, I've got this all figured out and, and the expert and, Ah, that's just dangerous. Yeah. So I think that's, that's one thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, Careful. Yeah. There's a lot of those. Oh, oh that hurts me. <laughs> it's hard to think about that, right? Because it's like yeah. how how much of it was helpful, uh, <laughs> helpful, and how much of it was yeah. like talking at the person. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, so my first experience in counseling that we'd been married, me and my wife been married about seven years, and I was not into counseling at that point. Um, I thought it was uh, just a bunch of kind of fluffy BS, and I was like, I don't need all this, you know. So we went to a marriage counselor. First session was great. They listened really well, attended. Second session, they gave me a lot of advice, and where I was in life, even if that was good advice, I was not going to take it. Right. Um, I needed, I needed to be listened to, attuned with, uh, needed to build that rapport, the trust, all that. So I think even if it's an hour worth of helpful advice, uh, you know, and I work primarily with a bunch of stubborn men. It's, it's like, that's just, (laughs) even if it's helpful, it's not, it's not going to help. So yeah. 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 (laughs) To be clear, I didn't mean helpful advice. I'm, I'm against the advice thing. I just meant, you know, something like, at least on track with with yeah. the the solo conversation apparently yeah, yeah no <laughs> you know one thing i was told early on and i'm very thankful for this 
Um, cause I, I know people who one expect that of counseling, but mm-hmm. end of counselors, but something I was told was if you as a counselor leave the session yeah. and you are tired of like, man, I just did all of yep. the, I spent yep. so much time, then you need to reevaluate. Yeah. You know, oh, if no you come it. out yeah. of there feeling, you know, wow, I, I did all this help or I spoke all, then you have to stop. Yep. And oh, yeah, exactly. that has been such a good perspective to bring, um, to my own table of, um, like self-reflection and, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. self-evaluation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that a lot. Um, but I do think that that can be circumstantial, you know, mm-hmm. like in working with things like personality disorders, um, yeah. you know, you kind of feel bogged down when you leave. Not that, yeah. Right. But they, and I, yeah. I didn't yeah. but no, deliver I know it the what best. you mean though. I, yeah, I, I, not I do the sense of like you're not going to work. Really, right. But, right. Yeah. But yeah, if you're out, if you're out running the client, I always use the analogy no, I agree. when folks come in first session is, you know, people come in, it's like being lost in the woods. Uh, I'm a, you know, I'm a trail guide. I've studied the maps. I've personally been lost in the woods a lot. Um, and I can remember probably 15, 20 years ago, I took some folks hiking. I do a lot of stuff out West. And, uh, this one guy was struggling. Um, we were coming up over a pass at around 11,000 feet. And so it was, it was difficult. And I thought like, okay, I'll just get up behind him and kind of carry, you know, hold his backpack and help carry him up. And it's like, that's terrible advice. Like, don't do that. Um, and so I know a lot of therapists who try to do that. They try to carry mm-hmm. the weight, uh, the undue weight of their clients. And it's like, right, it's not right. helping the client because right. it's telling them that they can't handle it themselves. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just, oh, yeah, it's outwork. Don't outwork your clients. Um, yeah, I, think that's I say that all advice. the time. Mm-hmm. And you know what? For our specialty series, we had Dr. Garden here. I think she was, um, I want to say she was the, the episode before you. Um, okay. And she talked about how people get into this field because they just want to help. And that's yeah. not what the field looks like, you know? I, and it's, yeah. that yeah. that's what that makes me think of, like the people who have, compassion and how they have a kind of a warped view of what help looks like you know um (laughs) michelle laughs at me all the time because i always say just because it's nice doesn't mean it's helpful or therapeutic you know that's that's just not (laughs) the same thing yeah 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 no doubt talking about advice and kind of that assumption my sister when I first went to grad school for this she said so you just like get like just sit there just like give advice to people is that like what you do (laughs) And she meant so, so, well, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. I was like, no, yeah. not at all. Not yeah. at all, actually. But that's the that's thing. I mean, that's what people think. Right. Yeah. Some- yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the, yeah, the analogy I used earlier, I say that's a lot like um, if somebody's lost some in Mississippi, there's Roosevelt National Forest. If somebody's lost in Roosevelt National Forest and I give them a map of Utah, it makes me feel really good. I've just given right. you some answers. Right. It's totally useless for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. More often than not, my advice, they're, A, they're not going to listen to it. I wouldn't listen to it. So why right, would, man. You know, why would they? Yeah. <laughs> and I, and so. I think that also has a lot to do with why people um, are afraid or resistant to becoming clients because they yeah. have a certain expectation of how it won't mm-hmm. be helpful or, um, you know, and, and we've had an episode um, talking about this before. They 
might feel like they've talked to so many people who gave them poor advice. Uh, well, I already yep. talked. Would I need to go to counseling to talk for? Yep. Right. Yep. <laughs> but yep. it doesn't look yep. like that, you know. No, right. it shouldn't look like that. Yeah. It shouldn't if, look if counseling like that. looks like, yeah, yeah. If counseling looks like the advice you get from family, then it's find a new counselor because right. it's, it's just yeah, it ought not be right. the case. Yeah, something you said a minute ago, Aisha, um, made me think too. I think another symptom of a, a bad, and that's not the best word, right? Maybe right, a healthy that's, counselor. That's why we yeah. didn't title it yeah. bad therapy. Yeah. <laughs> but there are some that are just bad. If you're crossing sexual, I, I agree with that. Bad, yeah, right. I think we said that. <laughs> but is if they've not done their own work. And so I think a lot mm-hmm. of people get into this field uh, to get what they needed. You know, say so they want to get in here and they want to help everybody because mm-hmm. that's what they need. But if you don't do your own work, um, man, I, that's extraordinarily dangerous uh, because right. you can end up helping out of a really unhealthy place. Um, right. You can end up, I think, blaming the client for a lot of the transference, mm-hmm. countertransference stuff. I think you can end up ignoring a lot of the client's issues, which mm-hmm. is that's probably the one that I see the most. It's like if I don't if I don't reckon with my own junk, then I'm going to ignore yours. Because right. I can't handle if I can't handle mine, I'm not going to be able to handle yours. So right. a lot, yeah. So I think that's highly dangerous. And even to continue their own work, you know, I yeah. like right. you said, a lot yeah. of people get in the field because they were lost yeah. in the woods, and I love that analogy. Yeah, that's a great. And so, but then sometimes you get lost again. You know, oh, yeah. ten right. years, twenty years in the yeah. field, you right. get lost yeah. again. You have to keep going. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You got to. Yep. Yeah. And for me, that's looked like a lot of yeah, being in groups, recovery groups, obviously have been phenomenally helpful, but also just other groups with, with guys. Um, mm-hmm. I talk to a lot of here. I've got a lot of good relationships with other male counselors and, you know, we can talk about hard things. Um, mm-hmm. we can talk about some of the stuff we're feeling in session. Um, mm-hmm. obviously not break confidentiality and all that. I feel like I have to qualify that, but, uh, <laughs> but just talking about our own craft, it comes up. Yeah. And I cannot, Im- I honestly cannot imagine doing this, uh, being in this vocation without, support without peers without people I can um yes. grow with yeah. yeah and I I learned how important that was um I guess it was lucky right out of grad school because um I did community mental health and boy that is hard <laughs> yeah oh <laughs> that god is yeah hard yeah. but then yeah. but what it helped me learn was one I I I think just the the range of who and what you get to work with is just uh, and it's invaluable. Like the that experience yeah. is just so wonderful and it helps you kind of determine where you want to go. Um, but yeah. also it helped me to value my peers, like you said, you know, my colleagues and how important our therapy was. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, big time. And I think, and you kind of mentioned this, I think, or alluded to it earlier, but the competition between therapists and I get it because it's, you know, I mean, we're all struggling to make ends meet and all that kind of stuff, but where I was, so I now live in Jackson and here I've got a really just an incredible community of people that we're not in competition. Uh, I'm sure there are people out there, but it's like, um, and if there's, you know, there could be healthy business kind of competition, all that kind of stuff. But um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it's just supportive and I know who the best people are for the, for different things, right? And people yes. know what I'm best at. So good. Where I was in Arkansas was not that way at all. I mean, it was mm-hmm. very much nobody's going to refer out. Um, mm-hmm. Nobody's going to just call and sit down. Like I got to know uh, basically one guy that I felt maybe two uh, that I could just talk with. That mm-hmm. there was no weird 
yeah, competitive kind of, um, it was just sad. It was really sad. Yeah. It was really lonely, really isolating. It's like, man, that just, it, yeah, it just sucks. Yeah, I felt like that a lot. And also for me, not only was it the competition at work, which didn't make a lot of sense to me, but also that I felt like there was no support in helping me grow as a new professional, you know, yeah. and, and for yeah. whatever reason, it was just like, no, you can't be better than this because then you'll surpass yeah. me. And it's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you know, I can't be the like, reason. Right. <laughs> Man. So that, that brings us to the second half. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, there's, a, there's bad, there's bad counselors and then there's bad counselor employers. And it's, I have, that I is feel such so, a good <laughs> one. What a great one. Yeah. And I feel fortunate. The so first good. place I worked again, several of the people there had been working since before I was born. And so like, man, it was unbelievable support. And they taught me so much and called mm-hmm. me out and I mean, it was unbelievable. And then, so I went to work for a treatment center and I think this is more, more common in treatment centers. Uh, I think that role I think it just attracts narcissists and kind of grandiose thinking mm-hmm. that I can save the world and I can save people and all this kind of stuff. And it was, it was terrible. Um, no, um, I'm one with perspective. Man. And yeah. I couldn't bring my goods. Uh, it was, it was his way or the highway. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. And it, there was a lot of pushing us to uh, basically just not have boundaries um, that the client, we literally would hear how the client does is up to you. Like their long, long-term health is on you and it's like that's crazy Ooh, wow um, yeah so there was a, <laughs> a lot of <laughs> okay i could go on this is i could literally i could just sit in uh fuss about this because it was so wow. harmful too yeah I, yes. you know something i learned i've always i've pretty much i guess for the last 20 years of my adult life i've i've had really good bosses like i've worked for really good people that were good interested in my my growth and then right. to go to a place with really poor leadership, mm-hmm. which I had not experienced in that way, uh, just seeing how it, it's not just annoying, but it's, it's really harmful to the therapist. Right, um, right. And I, I think there's a lot and, more of that than people let on to. Yeah, and I think that I feel like it was meant to, <laughs> to make <laughs> sense, but it just doesn't yeah. completely. Like, I understand the... You know, if you if you can if you take credit for the 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 good, mm-hmm. then you mm-hmm. have to take credit for the bad too. Absolutely. Like I can get that perspective, but I just that's a yeah. lot. That's a lot, and that's also yeah. so on um during our <laughs> during our supervision episode, <laughs> Michelle was really surprised at me for saying saying I, um you know. Some people might be offended and they just gonna have to be offended. And I'm very unapologetic about that. But that's why I feel so strongly about that um, in supervision, you know, in supervision, supervisors not doing their part you know what what I was talking about in the episode was um supervisors who just sign off you know that's that's just not okay because what about the stuff that the supervisee didn't learn you know we, yeah. we don't always oh, yeah. know what we don't know and and yeah. you know if they go out and get in trouble for something that you signed off on but didn't teach them you yeah. know yeah. that's that's really not their fault you know yeah. and it's yeah. just like you said that that's just so harmful mm-hmm. oh yeah 
Yeah. And especially when it comes to training, I guess, yeah, being in leadership, training, leading, uh, directing the counselors, particularly uh, when they're younger. And I mean, part of what, part of what was so uh, troubling to me in that, in that particular job was um, even when I would bring up issues that I felt were unethical, like, Hey, this does not jive with, uh, just just kind of common ethics, much less kind of uh, ACA ethics and that sort of thing, and just saying no, this is this is the way we do it here. And I think that's I think that's a good sign if somebody says nope, well this is just the way we do it. It's like hmm, that just doesn't. I don't think that sits well. Yeah, I just don't think that sits well. And so right. especially when you're in a position of, and that's kind of the way they set this company up is you were in a position of dependence. So your license was dependent on them signing off, your finances, uh, lots awful. of that kind of stuff. Yeah, we were in contract where we had to, I had to buy out of the contract to leave, crazy stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Very, very controlling. Um, but yeah, it kind of makes you powerless and you end up doing things that you don't, you know, your gut's telling you this is not okay, but right. but I have to because, you know, boss is telling me to or um, right, supervisor. Right. So a lot of abuse of power. Um, And I think that goes for counselors, kind of like we've been talking about, uh, but also for counselor employers, I guess is Mm -hmm. maybe a good way to say that. Yeah. 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 So um, what do you think not so great therapy (laughs) itself looks like? Uh, Like sitting down in the room. Um, Yeah. And I mean, there's the horror stories that people falling asleep there's there's people in town here that fall asleep on clients and it's sort of like uh people laugh about it but it's like that's that's crazy that's Uh, awful oh my god i think uh well i mean drugs or uh other things okay that's fair okay so So there's (laughs) but again i think it goes to all this other stuff the counselor not taking care of themselves i Mm -hmm. think i think there's a lot of counselors that'll see you know 30 plus clients a week and it's like mm-hmm. how are you able to really care deeply and, and do your job well and stay boundary because it's work you know I mean to stay boundary yes. is work uh, to be able to hold a safe space is work mm-hmm. um, I think I think another practical uh, way this looks is if the therapist is always late I think that's a sign of they don't have good boundaries well, good either with themselves or they're staying late with you. So if you're in session with a therapist and they always run over just for you, that's a pretty good sign that um, their boundaries aren't there. They're, they don't yeah. have that stuff together. Yeah, I could say that too. And that's, yeah. I think that's one of those things that you feel like is harmless, yep. but yep. It, it's not though, you oh, know? Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. Oh, I, I mean, that's one of the bigger things I feel like that I, uh, probably over, maybe overemphasized, but I don't think I do is just, you got to be on time. Um, because again, mm-hmm. most, most clients showing up are feeling uncared for, uh, they're yes. not feeling that paid attention to, they're not feeling yeah. listened to. Man, and if I yeah. show up late mm-hmm. and they're sitting out there waiting on me, I'm mm-hmm. sending the message non-verbally of like, you're just not yep. that important. Yep. Um, so yeah. yeah. And, and you're right. You're right. Because we can have all the best intentions in the world, but there's no way for us to control the message that people pick up. Yep. And That's so, right, like yeah. you said, right. non-verbally, yep. they, they just, they can pick up that you don't care about them. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Totally. Totally. And it's, uh, you know, kind of like we're saying earlier, I'm not responsible for what they feel and all that kind of stuff, but I am responsible to, uh, do you know do the best job I can of yeah. uh, helping them feel honored and cared for and um 
Yeah, I think other ways practically this shows up and looks like is um, there are therapists that maybe they learn a specialized skill and it's sort of, they become sort of one size fits all. So, you know, it's kind of mm-hmm. like, yep, every, everybody's an addict and I'm just throwing it out. You know, um, there's a lot of that that happens is just assuming um, people making assumptions. I think another one that all, this almost feels crazy to say because it should be so obvious, but I think when they avoid accountability, like there's a lot of folks that aren't licensed to do what they're doing. Um, yeah. uh, and so there's a lot of, so I, we talked about in that, MFT episode of, you know, I did both dual licenses, LPC, LMFT. I know a lot of people that work mm-hmm. with couples that have no, no training, no licensure, no, uh, no accountability mm-hmm. to somebody um, to be able to do that. And it's like, right. no, if you're going to practice a certain skill set or a certain framework, you need to be trained in it and you need to be yeah. accountable to somebody in it. Yeah, you're right. And I think that back to training I think our training accounts for that a lot because kind of across the mental health field I hear a lot of well well with this degree I can I can do anything you know um uh, I can see anybody I can use any insurance and and that kind of stuff and it's just like but should you you know yeah yeah oh yeah no I I did a lot of construction uh kind of early in life and the way I frame it is it's very much, hopefully, if you're in a good grad school, and I think kind of the one I went to and the one I'm at now is really good, uh, lays a really solid foundation, right? And that should be listening skills, should be boundaries, ethics, just kind of the basics. Like it, you should be really strong there. But if you want to practice with some of the more complex issues, complex trauma, uh, eating disorders, addiction, uh, you know, personality disorder, a lot of those things. Like you need to go, you got to build on that house. You got to build yeah. on that foundation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause it's just, you'll end up doing more harm than good, I think. Or, yeah. or there's a potential to do more harm than good. Uh, yeah. If you yeah. try to mess with something that you're not trained with. Yeah. And that's why those specialties are out there. Like that's yeah. why right. that further education yeah. is out there. I talked right. to yeah. um, a former professor just a few weeks ago about that. And she and I were kind of talking about some different specialties um, and some different trainings for me to look into over the next year. And, mm-hmm. and that's what she said was that the yeah. specialties now, yeah. that's where you're going to be putting your focus. Yeah. Like you've got right. the foundation, you've got the house right. fairly built. Now it's like furnishing yeah. right. and, yeah. and, you know, yeah. Yeah. so um, yeah, but I think that's so underestimated or that seems yeah. so far away, I guess, you know, in grad school, professors were like, okay, you've got this, you're going to go get your license next, you can do insurance Mm -hmm. next. But I don't think it was as pushed of like, no, the next thing you need to be doing is figure out some specialties you're interested in or looking into the training stuff. Yeah. And I think, let me, this is uh, some people may be offended kind of thing. I think part of that is the professors aren't in the field doing the work. And so they really don't know. So I think there's a lot of, there's some professors that they've seen clients in the past or Mm -hmm. maybe every so often they'll kind of see a run of the mill, just kind of whatever. And it's like, they just don't know. Um, I feel like there's some ignorance even amongst, you know, counselor educators about what's really going on and what's required to deal with it. Yeah. And that was why I was thankful for her of like her and a couple others that I'd had. Mm -hmm. I told her this, I knew certain specialties because of them, because they were, Hey, I've done this for years. I'm trained in this. And so I, I I think you're right though. A lot of places may not have that, that professor who's still doing the work. Yeah. And I think that it also has to do with, uh, uh, at least for me, I feel like my graduate program 
itself was really good, <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah. the the things that I missed were because of the people, right? The professors yeah. who either weren't doing the work or who they were or where they were yeah. that that was the actual issue, not so much the material that they were giving us or the, the material yeah. that they yeah. weren't giving us. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. No, no doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that and it's easy to get there, right? It's easy kind of as I'm working on the CACES, PhD stuff to be able to teach full time is it, you know, that's kind of alluring, the idea of just kind of hanging out in an office and just kind of taking it easy, putting the feet up. Um, but yeah, it's just not beneficial. I think in the same way that it's not beneficial to a client if the therapist has never gone there, um, mm-hmm. it's not beneficial to the student, you know? And so part of what I've tried to do is yeah. personally it's like now I'm working in an IOP because I think that'll that'll round out it means I've kind of worked in every facet of this field it's great you know I don't think it's a I great think thing you gotta be wise about that stuff and I wonder like how passionate the person might be if working with clients is something that they give up you know Hmm. um I could understand putting it on hold for for a certain amount of time or Mm -hmm. you know um your career leading you to different places but you know when you feel passionately about it that's one of the things that you miss right or you feel like you need to get back into or you don't want to give it up you know yeah no and I think that you you saying that even makes me think to the the first of like 15 conversations we're having of uh, <laughs> that when a, when a counselor becomes calloused and they just don't care, you know, and it's hard yeah. work to stay with your heart open. Like it is really mm-hmm. hard work in this That's field. True. And, and, and with boundaries. Diagnoses make but, yeah. it make a difference too. You know, when you mm-hmm. work with certain diagnoses that, that kind of changes mm-hmm. your perspective some. Yeah. I think, yeah, it can be easy to just make assumptions about people to kind of lose compassion um, Mm -hmm. and just to be calloused because it is hard work, you know, Mm -hmm. very hard work. Which is another reason to keep working on yourself, right? (laughs) Uh Totally. Totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I've got one more that I wrote down. Another thought. Here's another (laughs) bad therapist is the conflict avoidant therapist. I think there's a lot of those. Mm. I've known a lot of folks that have a counselor, and then they'll come to me or something later on. And they're like, I'll, you know, I always ask, like, were you in counseling? Did you find it helpful and helpful? Um, if so, what was, you know, kind of what worked for you? What didn't work? That's really. And folks that'll be with a, with a counselor for years, like three, four years. And it's like, so what, like, what happened? <laughs> and it's a lot of the counselor just makes you feel good. Kind of like you were saying earlier, always like, nice does not mean good. Um, right, right. <laughs> You don't need to be a jerk. Like, I don't need to right. always upset and hurt people, really. Right. But it's like, right. yeah, if I'm not willing to really say the hard thing or to go mm-hmm. into the hard place. Like, that's not good. Um, that's something I need to right. work through. And we've talked about that on the previous episode. Like, you know, the confrontation and dealing with conflict is a skill, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you yep. it has to be used appropriately, but there's a way to use it yep. appropriately. It's not, yeah. it's not oh, in yeah. itself bad. It's actually yeah. a very beneficial tool, you know, yep. but and 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 of course timing is everything, but you'll learn that as you practice the skill, right? Yeah. So and I think there's this because in school and and early on, you know, you remember talking about you got to confront them. You got to be bold. That's yep. fine. Yep. But it always felt like people had this idea that it you had to be a jerk about it. 
Yeah. Like yeah. you got to yeah. be almost like a, I don't want to say Freudian, yeah. but like very old school of, of kind of just blunt and forced and rude yeah. in yeah. order to be confrontational. And that's so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can do it. You can be very kind. And I like Absolutely. to differentiate kind mm-hmm. and nice. Like yeah, nice is I a agree. very southern thing. Uh, yeah, and it's yeah. Not yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but kind, right. yeah. If, if I've built a rapport and this person knows that I mm-hmm. you know, have their best interests at heart and right. I care for them, and then yeah, and I'm gonna say, hey, I, you know, one way that I learned, and this is what was done to me, and so I found it helpful, is to just when the therapist says something like, hey, can I just offer you some feedback, or can I offer you my experience, and so to ask permission to confront mm-hmm. yes. sense before just Blowing I the love doors that. Off. I love yeah. that. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think on the other hand, there's the conflict avoidant, but there's probably also the, like the, I don't know what you call it, but the people that get off on confronting and being mean. Mm-hmm. And I, again, the guy I worked with uh, in a rehabilitation place was very proud that no one, none of the, the uh, clients liked him. And it's like, I don't, I don't think that means you're doing it right. right. <laughs> like, I, I, there are times where my clients may, be upset with me or right. uh, frustrate, you know, but it, yeah, I don't think that is necessarily a good thing. <laughs> I think we can call that arrogance, right? I mean, yeah. I feel like oh, that totally. comes from the, oh, I'm the expert totally. in the room. Yep. Right, kind of, right. Which is not a bad mantra either. You know, there yeah. is a, a right. level where you need to understand that, but sure. Yep. I don't know about nobody liking you. That's, right. yeah. that's a lot. <laughs> and that's, yeah, no. And the way I frame that expert for me, what's been helpful is to say kind of like that. I'm the expert on, you know, again, the map, I've studied the map, but I'm not an expert on you. Like the expert on that person is the person. Um, There's a book called The Heroic Client. Have y'all ever heard of that? No. I can't remember who wrote it. It's Heroic Client. It is absolutely just phenomenal because it speaks to this. It's like the person in the room with the most expertise is that person, is the client. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm there to guide, to help, to set up Mm -hmm. the safety for them to do the work they need to do. But at the end of the day, they're the heroes, right? It's not me. Um, Yeah, yeah. I'm walking with them. I'm just, you know, kind of setting the space, but they're the ones that do the work. Yeah. And I think that that's, that helps put into perspective what therapy should look like. And Mm -hmm. it has to do with that balance, right? Because I I know people on both ends of, 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 I'm the expert or absolutely not. The the client is the only expert. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, yeah. right. no folks, yep. both things are true, right? Yep, <laughs> we absolutely. have to be the the expert because that, that holds us to a certain level of accountability, right? Yep. We, we have yep. a, a certain role um, and obligations really, you know, but, but so does the client, you know, yeah. So, yeah. so those both things hold true. We're both the yeah, exactly. experts just on different yep. things. That's right. I like that. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. No, no yeah, exactly. So um that th- th- I guess that's my first one is balance is what <laughs> um mm-hmm. good therapy would look like. But what do you think therapy should look like? Yeah. Um and I think of it, you know, what is the primary tool we bring in, right? It's not a hammer, it's not a saw, it's ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right? And so good therapy requires a a, a balanced, healthy therapist. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I do think, um, and it's kind of incredible that we can even be of help sometimes when we're not healthy and there are days when we're just having crappy days and crappy seasons of life. And, you know, that's where we rely more on the skills we've learned and, um, all that stuff. But I think kind of at the core of it, it's maybe the opposite of what we were saying is it's a, it's a humble, curious, you know, well-boundaried person. 
I think that's kind of a, a good therapist. I would uh, have to agree. Yeah. yeah. Especially the curiosity. I think when we lose our curiosity, we're in trouble. I think it's always one of my professors. The thing that I love the most is that's really what he drove in is, is just stay curious. Like if you don't know what mm-hmm. to do, just stay curious. Like mm-hmm. it's really in some ways that simple. Um, so. You know what? I, I can see that. Like I can see how the curiosity not being there can lead down the negative path. Yeah. Like I, I can mm-hmm. see that. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. interesting. So yeah, good therapy to me is, um, I, you know, for my client, <clears throat> I guess I always want to, I think my goal, and I, this is something I talk to particularly new clinicians about is like, what's your goal, right? If your goal is to solve all their problems, uh, you're going to be horribly disappointed all the time. <laughs> but if your goal is that that person leaves your office and they feel that they were listened to, they feel understood, uh, and they feel seen, I think it's really those two things that they're understood and that they are seen and that they are safe. Maybe okay. it's those three things. Then that's, that's my goal. Um, and I think if I'm doing those three things, all the good stuff will just happen. Um, I really do. And you know what? I think that sometimes as new professionals, so many people don't have a goal and and like when they get a new client, they don't have a goal. And I think that sometimes that can have to do with the environment they're working in. Um, and that, you know, there's pressure to do certain stuff. And so you don't feel like there's enough room for you to actually, make a goal and determine what this person's therapy should look like yeah. you know it's yeah. more of seeing the client <laughs> yeah. yeah right totally. <laughs> the day job aspect right yeah. right right that's a good way to put it yeah and I, it, it can become and I think it can be um, easy particularly because I work with a lot of complex trauma and addiction so it, it can get a little bewildering and there's always a crisis and it can get easy mm-hmm. to get lost um, in yeah. it and so that's, I think for me is there's the client's goals and I want to honor those. And that's what we're pursuing, you know, mm-hmm. sobriety or healing, whatever that is. Uh, but you know, for me, it's like at the end of the day, what do I want to give this person? You know, and mm-hmm. I think it's, uh, yeah, I just want to give them my attention. I want to give them my, I want to give them safety. I want to give them my humble curiosity. Can I go back mm-hmm. to what we're saying? Cause I think I honestly, I think, and I think this research supports this, is that's in a lot of ways, that's the healing part of therapy. Uh, yeah. is that they, yes. they feel seen, they feel known, they feel cared mm-hmm. for, they feel safe. That alone does wonders, you know, mm-hmm. for folks. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So before we leave, um, do you want to talk about some ways that we can improve as therapists mm-hmm. not doing so great or as therapy not mm-hmm. being so great? Uh, man, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> I think if, so I'm trying to thank two of the listeners. So the listeners, if they're counselors and they've been hearing us talk and they're going, uh, you know, oh shit, or can I cuss? <laughs> I don't know. If I, okay, is that okay? That's I forgot to ask. All right. Yeah. So if they're having, if they're, they're feeling, or maybe they're, they don't cuss and they're, oh crud, you know, um, <laughs> what do I do? I heard some things. They're talking about me. What do I do? I think it's, I think go to a reputable therapist. Like you start, just go, just go to counseling yourself. I think that'll do a, a world of good, mm-hmm. um, that alone. I think if you're practicing something that's not, that you don't have specific training that you don't have, you know, and letter, you know, having letters behind her name, some people use that to try to boost themselves up and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, but, uh, to boost the ego. But I think 
there is a place for it because I have these letters. I'm a part of these groups. I'm accountable Mm -hmm. to these groups. Mm -hmm. Um, If I screw up, it's not only the licensing board, uh, but it's also this group that I'm a part of that I have to answer to. That's helpful for me. Yeah. So yeah, if you want to work with something, you know, go find it. Yeah. There's all these past episodes on specialties, like go listen to those, (laughs) find out how to do that thing. So yeah, we got uh, organizations too. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. So that's kind of first thing. I I think, and this is something I'm trying to push at the school I'm teaching at, is like find a mentor. I was Ooh, again, I, I was extraordinarily mm-hmm. lucky that I just fell into it uh, with a group yeah. primarily of women that I worked with, uh, who were just incredible mentors to me. And then I also had these men, these older men have been practicing for 20, 30 years that came alongside me. And I was I think that's made me who I am, uh, yeah. no doubt, particularly professionally. I so, agree. yeah, find a mentor, find somebody that's reputable, ask to take them to lunch, buy their lunch. Uh, <laughs> I think that's a good start. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just develop a relationship there. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that you had uh, women and men, because I think that's yep. something that's valuable yeah. to me. You know, me and Michelle mm-hmm. talked about that before about people being afraid. Oh, that was supervisions. Jeez. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. We were talking about people being concerned about, you know, mm-hmm. differences, right? Gender yeah. and race and all of this different yeah. stuff. But I found that valuable in my experience is having different people are different perspectives, I guess, if if that's that's a better way to put it, having those different perspectives and working with different people, you know, people of different races and different genders. I think that's always beneficial. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's At least terrific. it has been to me. Yeah. And I think it's, I think you could even do that if you don't know where to start for a, a maybe a mentor is like, you're never too experienced for a supervisor. So look up yeah. the supervisors in your yes. area. Are. Yeah. Kind of start working with one of them. Even if you've been doing this for five, 10 years, you know, right. into that. great point. Yeah. 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 I'm trying to think that's kind of the, trying to think of other stuff. I, you know, CEUs, reading books. Um, there's a place for that. It's helpful, but I think it's mm-hmm. all, I mean, the, the whole core of our field is, you know, it's relationships that heal. So if you're yeah. struggling, get some healthy relationships, <laughs> like, yeah. get into that. And- and I think that that that's a good point too, um, because you you only get what you put into things, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah. so the CEUs can be wonderfully helpful yeah. if you, you put attention. enough into them, you know. <laughs> or yeah. if you go to yeah. a conference and build relationships while you're earning yeah. those CEUs, you know, then yeah. you see that starts to make a difference. So that's a good yeah. point. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that is good. Okay. So I guess that is all for us today. Thank you so much for joining us. And for giving this to us because this was yours. (laughs) No, yeah. I'm glad you are doing this. This is a great, fun podcast. Yeah, I appreciate y'all. Good. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. All right. right. Y'all take care. You too. That was Brandon Henry. We want to know your thoughts and your experiences. Leave us a comment on today's episode. From wherever you are, a practicing clinician, a new professional, a client, just an advocate, let us know what you think. And if you have questions about this episode. So we will see you next time. See ya. listening to the counseling clinic with Aisha Jane and Lisa Michelle. 
remember to check out our website at thecounselingclinicpodcast.com. And follow us on Instagram at the Counseling Clinic Podcast. We'll see you guys for our next session. Bye, guys. Music provided by scottholmesmusic.com. And our show is edited and produced by Chris Luke.